Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're Identical Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. And this is episode 68 and we think we should let you in on a little secret. <laughs> Are we really telling them guys? I mean, this has happened what? Two other times? Yes. Maybe three? Yes. Whose job is it to press the record <laughs> button when we get into the studio? Does anyone know? Does anyone want to guess? Okay, does anyone know who has to be in charge of, like, everything? <laughs> I mean, it's just one button, Carrie. <laughs> so we just recorded. Well, we didn't. We, we didn't just record. <laughs> we just talked for about 20 minutes. Was it that long? Yes. It was about 20 minutes, and we looked down and realized that we weren't recording. Right. So and it was really good, and it's so lost. Good. It's, it's lost. lost forever. <laughs> no one will ever hear it. All right, so we just have to repeat what we just said a few minutes ago, because it was good. It was gold. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about this awesome hymn. Right. And we're just talking about all the great things that are happening on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. I mean, this is episode 68. Mm -hmm. The last episode, 67. I, I Have you listened yet? It is on the old hymn, Oh, Worship the King, and we had an amazing interview yeah, yeah. with a with an, a local organist, but he's a hymnologist, really. I know, I know, and he was so fascinating to talk to. And you know, we found him by accident. Yeah. We were researching "O Worship the King" mm -hmm. and uncovering all of this cool stuff. You know how we love to do that, right? So we found this guy from Indiana. We look him up, and we find that he has moved to basically the next town over, right? Right. Crazy. And so we were able to talk to him, and it was just so great to find an organist, a hymn lover, and we had him play on the episode. Yeah. So please listen to 67 if you haven't. <laughs> oh, Worship the King is a great one. And then 66, the episode before that, we changed our plan completely. Yeah. <laughs> Have you listened to that one yet? I mean, we had a plan in place, and we changed it, and we did the Queen's favorite hymn, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. That was such a fun episode. Mm -hmm. We got to really sort of celebrate the life of Queen Elizabeth mm -hmm. and, you know, share some really interesting information. Right. And then in, in between all of that, Carrie and I went live. We, mm -hmm. we gave a sermon, a presentation on a hymn in our church last Sunday. And so in the midst of all of that, we were preparing for that Sunday. And we really love the opportunity to sort of bring him talk, twin talk live. Yeah. You know, we've done it a few times. Mm -hmm. We'd love to do it more. Yeah. In fact, one church has already reached out that right. they want us to come. So we'd love to be on the road and we could come to your church. We could do a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. We could do like a, if you were having a retreat, a women's mm -hmm. retreat or a worship retreat, mm -hmm. we would totally love to talk about hymns with you and, and whatever topic you want us to cover really i mean any topic that's out there in the christian world can be found in a hymn we can make that work right. if you yeah. have some biblical theme you want to cover we we have a hymn for it and here we are on episode 68 we have two composers that we're talking about that we have never had on the yeah. show on the show nope they're brand new to hymn talk twin talk we are not running out of episodes no it's yeah. almost like the possibilities are endless carrie but i have to say this hymn is I mean, just a great one. I don't know. The last two I felt were kind of similar. Yeah, true. And true. this one musically is a is a huge departure. And I mean, it has a great story of how it came to us. Yeah. I mean, you should know that it was presented to us, requested to us back in June of twenty one. Yes. So it's been a while. I know. It sort of got lost in yeah. the shuffle of him requests. It was one of the ones that just kept getting pushed down right. as other things came in. Um, but the gentleman who brought this to our attention yes. is someone I know. Right. He lives in your he, town. He lives in our town. We know his family. Mm -hmm. um, we've been connected to his family for years because we all do scouts together. Uh, I mean, I don't do much with scouts, but my husband does. And, of course, I know this other father. He and does so, it. And so, you know, 
how surprised were you when he said you li- he listened to our podcast? I was like, what <laughs> podcast? I mean, to me, I couldn't even imagine that he, this man that I've never really had much of a conversation with was a, was listening to the hymns. He said that he was a believer, he loved the hymns, and he's always loved the hymns. So he was a student at Valley Forge Christian School. Oh, yeah, in Pennsylvania. In, yeah, in like the 80s. And he was modernizing hymns back then. Wow. And he wanted to play with his electric guitar and the bass and the drums. He had like a rock band, almost like a heavy metal band. Wow. Yeah, he's a big fan of like Black Sabbath, ACDC. Okay. okay so well, that's, those were all popular in the 80s too. Right, right. So, and he was trying to bring that sound and the administrators in the in the school were like, you cannot bring that to chapel. You cannot do that. So here he is. He has this like edgy style of music. Yeah. And, but what's the song that he wants to do? He wants to do a hymn that was written in 1707. 1707. From England. <laughs> Not even here. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So these guys are just great. They're old college friends. Mm-hmm. They've reconnected recently. Cal is the one who, who lives in my town. He's awesome. He's a former military man, fantastic father, and he's super talented. He plays a bunch of instruments, has a huge guitar collection. He and my son have connected and bonded over their love of guitars. And the friend from college is a guy named Sean. And they both just seem really awesome. We've been exchanging emails in preparation for this episode. And I'm so, so happy I get to share his music. I mean, this is kind of a him talk, twin talk first though, Carrie. <laughs> so it's someone you know. Yep. He has requested the hymn. Mm-hmm. So we're, we, he got his request in and he's performing the hymn for right. us. He will be appearing later on in right. the episode. I said, I'll, I'll share your version yep. for sure. That's great. All right. We need to tell them the name of the hymn. Okay. Well, it has a couple of names. I know, but the hymn that he requested right. was At, At the, the Cross. I hope you're all clapping. It's it, funny. I hear the tune so to At the Cross in my head, just saying the mm-hmm. words, At, At the, the Cross. Cross. It's so good. We sang this as kids. Definitely. I can rem- I can imagine my whole family singing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. in church. It was one that we sang often. And I can remember kind of having fun with it. It has, it has like a peppy rhythm. The music has transformed the hymn. Right. Because I think the original words are pretty sad. Right. I mean, look at the other title. So if you go by the other title, not at the cross, but just the first line of the song, it's, Alas and did my Savior bleed. Oh. Which the clapping the cla- doesn't work for that. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. I mean, it's very different. Very different. And... Even just looking at that first word, Carrie, alas, it's not just a word that's in the hymn. It's the first word mm. of the hymn. So I feel like he carefully chose that word, alas. What does it mean? I mean, I'm not really sure, but I feel like there's some sadness in a word. It's sadness. That's yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Cal. I pressed that button. <laughs> Um, yes, it is a word that expresses regret or sadness. I looked it up, Care. Okay. And it combines two words. Oh. The first word is basically just the syllable, ah, and it's like a sigh. Ah. Okay. But maybe a sad sigh. Oh, oh that's better. It's like that's a better. whimper. That's, that's not better. a sigh. And last is from an old French word meaning weariness. And it is, it's used to express regret or sadness. So here's the thing. I hear the words of this hymn and I do feel that they are sad. They're deep, they're heavy Mm -hmm. words. But the music is not sad, deep, or heavy at all. I know. I wonder if maybe it's not the best marriage Mm -hmm. of words and music, but Mm -hmm. I love the music. So you have to think that the words were written in 1707. The music was written in 1885. That's like almost 200 years apart. Yeah, I mean, 180. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what the tune was for all of those years in between. There are some options. We yeah. we hear, we can see that there were some tunes put. Mm-hmm. Um, but the original, the original that Isaac Watts would have used in 1707, we have no idea. No idea. No idea. But... Carrie's friend Cal requested at the cross. So that's the one we're really focusing on. And we're going to listen to a version of it right now played by another friend of ours, another hymn-loving friend, 
Raluca Bajor. So she is a wonderful Christian pianist and she has a whole ministry about the hymns and for the hymns. Mm -hmm. She's been on the podcast a few times. Yeah, we love sharing her music. So she's going to play in the background and let's read these awesome, powerful, sad words from 1707. Mm -hmm. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when God, the mighty maker, died for his own creature's sin. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears. But drops of tears can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. I mean, those words are so sad and actually hearing them straight through like that yeah. just it really impresses upon me. I mean we're talking about melting mine eyes to tears. Yeah. We're talking about grief and groaning. Yeah. It's really sad. You have to wonder what the music guy, his name was Hudson, what he was thinking when he put this together. Did he think we just got a pep this up a little bit maybe we're going to talk about him in a yeah, little bit we will we but will first i really want to look at these words i mean you okay. all heard us just read them yeah they're heavy words with a ton of truth and they were written by isaac watts yeah isaac watts the father of english hymnody yeah i mean he is a hymn legend we, yes. we throw around hashtag hymn legend yes i mean he is a hymn legend we actually talked about him already episode 14 Joy to the world. It's so good. So good. I And we talked that that hymn, Joy to the World, we sing it for Christmas, but it's really a hymn that could be sung all year round. Right. So go and listen to it if you yeah, haven't yeah. yet and learn about Isaac Watts. He is he he was an amazing man. He loved the Lord, mm -hmm. was extremely talented, and was extremely intelligent. Yes. What are some of the things we learned about him, Carrie? Well, First of all, he was bored with the music in church. When he was a kid, he complained to his father. And his father basically said, if you think you can do better, then you should. Then you should try. So at the time in England, they really only sang songs that were actually quoting scripture, right? right. We talked about this with other hymns. Yes. These psalms were being sung, and they really didn't deviate from the scriptural text. Now, that this is so funny because okay. our last two I episodes were psalms. Were psalm paraphrases. Right. But those, I really feel like those wouldn't even have happened if Isaac Watts right. didn't pave the way first. Because we're talking about in the early 1700s. Right. right. So a few examples of his psalm paraphrases. So Joy to the World, which we talked about in episode 14, was a paraphrase of Psalm 98. The awesome hymn... Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past, was a paraphrase of Psalm 90. And do you know the hymn, Jesus Shall Reign, Where Air the Sun? I love that one. Yeah, that's a great one. And that's a paraphrase of Psalm 72. These are three Psalm paraphrases that have stood the test of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and most churches would find them in a hymnal. Mm. But he wrote many. Right. This is what he did. He took scripture, reworked it, re you know, made it with modern language for the modern congregations of, you know, the, the early 1700s, <laughs> and he created these modern hymns. I mean, it's kind of cool. Right, and when we have criticism of today's modern worship music, mm -hmm. a lot of, a, a huge criticism is that they're not as deep, that they're just kind of mm -hmm. a little shallow, that they don't go into all the you know, doctrine that we believe in and, the, and what the scriptures actually say. They just kind of stay on the surface. And that was not what Isaac Watts was doing. No. I mean, it's almost like his hymn is deeper than the psalm. Right. I mean, he, the well, way he, he describes things. Well, let me tell you, he has this quote about what he was doing. Oh, so is this really a quote? Yeah. 
<laughs> Attention, please. He's talking about what the psalmist does and then what he does. So this is what he says. When the psalmist describes religion by the fear of God, I have often joined faith and love to it. Where he speaks of the pardon of sin through the mercies of God, I have added the merits of a savior. Where he talks of sacrificing goats or bullocks, I rather choose to mention the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God. Where he promises abundance of wealth, honor, and long life, I have changed some of these typical blessings for grace, glory, and life eternal, which are brought to light by the gospel and promised in the New Testament. It's interesting to me, the psalmist didn't write in light of the New Testament. No. But that's what Isaac Watts does. Mm -hmm. So in a way, he's bringing new life Mm -hmm. to the Psalms. And as we see in in Alas and Did My Savior Bleed, he didn't want to just be stuck in the Psalms. He wanted to explore other parts of the Bible. Right. And put those to music. And he says he wants to glorify Jesus. He wants to point to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's not just about, you know, the promises that are made in the Old Testament. It's the promise that Jesus gave us. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm super happy that he did that because I think, like I said, he paved the way for everybody to follow suit. Now, here's a fun fact. We wouldn't even have these hymns in America, or maybe they would have taken much, much, much longer to get here if it weren't for Benjamin Franklin. Okay, so he loved what Watts was doing, and he was the first one to publish the psalm paraphrases. It was in 1729. Wow. Yeah. Now, he wasn't the only American who did, but he definitely took an interest in the hymns. They were also published in Boston. Nice. Um, But really, they were well-loved by the Americans of the Revolutionary Period. How fun is that? That is so great, and it's funny because Benjamin Franklin is well-respected. Yep. As being intelligent, Mm -hmm. a forward thinker. Yes. You know, he was thinking about the future in ways that no one else was. Right. And I think that from what I've read about Isaac Watts is that he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. He was brilliant. And he, you know, was so lucky to be raised by a father who supported him Mm -hmm. and pushed him Mm -hmm. and encouraged him. I just think he's so, so, so smart. I read, Carrie, that he reportedly mastered Latin by the age of four. (laughs) Greek at nine, French at 10, which is where he got the word alas from. That's right. And Hebrew by age 13. So by 13, he had five languages that he was speaking. And I think you can see this in his hymns. If he knew Hebrew, then he knew those Psalms and Mm -hmm. he knew how to translate them. If he knew Greek, he knew his New Testament. And I think we see that. We see that in this hymn at the cross. We read that he wrote over 600 hymns, but he published many other books, books on logic, books on grammar, books on pedagogy, ethics, psychology. He reminds me of Benjamin Franklin. I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So brilliant, dedicated to the Mm -hmm. Lord, but he also was greatly criticized by both the Roman Catholics and the Mm -hmm. nonconformists who called his hymns uninspired. Why were they uninspired? Because they were not direct quotes from scripture. This is a direct quote that he said in defense of his hymns. Attention, please. If we can pray to God in sentences that we have made up ourselves, instead of confining ourselves to the Our Father and other prayers taken directly from the scriptures, then surely we can sing to God in sentences that we have made up ourselves. He, he's absolutely he right. He has such a point. And of course, you know, maybe we don't have the words that are quite so poetic and powerful. I know, and I know. He powerful. does have some good words. I mean, he really does. He does. If there's anybody out there who should be writing his own words to sing, I mean, it's him. Right. And you have to remember, we don't know the music that he had right. at that time. So we're just looking at these super powerful words. And of course... Christians, theologians, hymnologists are researching his words. They're studying them. And this is what I read. The doctrinal content of Alas and Did My Savior Bleed could be examined from a plethora of Christian theology, justification, propitiation, Christology, anthropology, harmitiology, and soteriology, just to name a few. What's that? 
What's that? I mean, What's you've that? all these ologies. I know. I know. So we're saying that all of those things can be found in, in his this hymn? one hymn. Okay. I mean, what is all that? It's crazy, right? All right. Are we going to talk about all those words? I mean, yes. justification, I heard. Propitiation. Okay. Okay. So justification is what happens to us. We are people that were sinners and we move to a state of righteousness. Justification. But that's, I mean, we can't do that on our own. That right. is only through Jesus. Right. All right. And then propitiation is just like payment for it. So propitiation is a big word that means. I know. Are you saying it wrong? It's propitiation. What am I saying? Propitiation. No, I'm saying propitiation. Propitiation. Yeah, aren't I saying that? You just did. Really? I thought I heard propitiation. Right, rewind the tape. <laughs> it's a big word that means satisfaction. Okay. God is a holy God. His anger and justice burns against sin, and sin has to be punished. So there must be a satisfactory payment for right. sin. What is the payment? I always thought, for some reason, I connected it to the word payment. Right, and I always thought it was substitute. So the two of yeah, them are together. Yeah, kind of together. Yeah. All right, and then the next word was what? Christology? Christology. 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 So anytime you see O-L-O-G-Y, it's the the study study of... of Jesus? Yeah, it's Christology. Like, is this centered on Christ? Is it a Trinitarian hymn? Is it a Christological hymn? Who is this hymn about? And that is a focus on Jesus. Then there's anthropology. What's that? (laughs) What's that? I mean, I think that's just like, what is it? The study of humans or societies? Yeah, Yeah, and then like Christian anthropology is like the study of humanity from a Christian worldview. You know, there's many theories about humanity and, you know, original sin. So Christian anthropology is humanity, you know, being separated from God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I have to be honest with you, the next two words I didn't know anything about. All right, let's hear them. (laughs) Harmitiology. What's that? Do you have any guesses what harmitiology would be about? Um, I mean, I hear the word harm. Is it something about punishment? I don't know. Not a bad guess, Carrie. Okay, what is it? Harmitiology is the doctrine of sin in Christian theology. Sin. Um, and again, I think they go hand in hand, um, you know, because you have to actually believe that we are sinners. Right. And then that's the study of that sin. It's okay. a Christian word. Oh, okay. And then soteriology. Sotera. I don't know. What's that? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like we've used that sound effect a million I times. I just this one. I don't know. I'm going to say it's, I don't know, environment. So, so, Soteria. I don't know. It is the study of salvation. Oh, not even close. It's the study of salvation. So, you know, it's all these things that we could define and talk about in like a, a sentence or a phrase. And there is an entire study of right. it, you know, right. and it, with all the different viewpoints. And, right. you know, salvation is is really important in the Christian, you know, doctrine. Of course. So at some point, some very learned individuals. Like Isaac Watts. Look at these words. Mm-hmm. Look at the words of the hymn and say, look at all the points they make. Look at all the, the points they hit, you right. know, in terms of Christianity. And so they were talking about, alas, and did my Savior bleed. And being so impressed that just in that one hymn, it hit all those points. Among others. The quote said, among, among others. others. There's I know, that's more. True. That's true. That's There's true. more. True. All right. Well, should we really look at these words, yes. Cal? Yes. So normally we do like a, what does the Bible say? What was the hymn inspiration? Yeah. And we do. We will have some scriptures. But I think it's so interesting to see about all of these different facets of Christian theology to see where it comes in in our hymn. Okay. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I. So that's verse one. I mean, yeah. honestly, one of the reasons why the composer Hudson might have added the refrain is that it's, it's awfully of, quick. It's, it is kind of quick. But in that one verse, what did we hear? Well, we're talking about the Savior. We're talking that he's the sovereign. There's it, your Christology. And we're talking about the propitiation. Yes. There's the payment. Mm-hmm. And... Would he do this for a sinner such as I? There's your harmony theology. 
Which, hermitiology. Which one was a hermitiology? Sin. 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 Okay. So for sinners such as I, oh, no, a sinner such as I, that's anthropology. Right. And, and what about soteriology? Well, it doesn't really talk about saving. Does it talk about saving? Yeah, he devoted his head. He saved us. Yeah, but it doesn't say anything about Savior right there in that one verse. It says, my Savior bled. Yeah, it is. I think it's all of them. It's all of them. Okay, we're done. <laughs> it's the end of episode 68. Okay. I mean, that's amazing. In one verse. And we just said it was a short verse. But it's so much. It's mm-hmm. so full. All right, so this makes me think of 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 16. This is another, like, two verses that are what full. What does the Bible mm-hmm. say? Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That's all those things, too. I know. So when, if, we're ta- if we're really talking about inspiration here, <laughs> um, I actually think that what inspired Isaac Watts to write a hymn like this is that he was proving to people, he was proving to people that you could write all about the truth of God, the truth of humanity, the truth of Jesus Christ without having to quote scriptures. Right. His own words. He did it. He did it. All right, let's look at verse two. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. What a gorgeous verse. So th- what is this? This is anthropology. These are and hermetiology. Yes. Was it for crimes that I have done? And propitiation. Uh-huh. He groaned upon the tree for me. Mm. Amazing pity, grace, grace unknown. unknown. And love beyond degree. What's the soteriological? <laughs> What's the last one? Soteriology. Okay, which one was that one? <laughs> Salvation. I feel like I need to have this written. Are you all taking notes out there? <laughs> all right, so is soteriology in there? Salvation. Yeah, salvation. Let's do a scripture verse. Okay. All right, how about Isaiah 53, 5 to 6? What does the Bible say? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was cru- mm-hmm. crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Mm-hmm. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's your propitiation. There's your, which one was the human one? Harmatology. Anthropology. You guys, I can't remember them. <laughs> Anthropology. I know them. I know them. I don't, do you really? No. no, no. <laughs> well, I think that that is, you know, a prophecy about Christ suffering of course. for our sins. And we see that Isaac did that. He bled. He groaned. He's telling us that Jesus did suffer on the cross. Right. That was the propitiation. I mean, it's horrible, but that was the propitiation that we needed for God to be satisfied. Right. For God to be satisfied so that we could be reconciled with him. Right. And that's Christology, too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's Christology. It's everything. Yeah. It's I mean, the crime, so that's the hermitiology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do verse three. Okay. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in. When God the mighty maker died for his own creature's sin. So I really think that this is referencing when Jesus died on the cross right. and it went dark. Right, for those few hours, right? And I actually think that this is one of the reasons why this hymn works so well in Lent. Mm. It works so well for, you know, Good Friday. So let's go right to the Bible on the and read the passage right. of Jesus' crucifixion when it went dark. Right, it was Luke chapter 23, 44 to 45. Mm-hmm. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. 
the curtain of the temple was torn in two, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Mm-hmm. So we're that's exactly what Isaac Watts is talking right. about. The sun um, is, is hidden. Mm-hmm. The glories of the sun are hidden. Mm-hmm. Our mighty maker died. Yeah. Why? For his own creature's sin. So it's humanity, yeah. our own sin, yeah. anthropology. Mm-hmm. It's think- Christology. It's Christ right. dying right. on the cross. And it's hermitiology, our sin. Well, what's the S one again? Soteriology <laughs> is salvation. Yeah, I so guess we don't it, have that. We don't yet. really have that. Yeah. All right, but we'll probably find it in verse four. Let's, Let's keep sing going. <laughs> Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears. So we should say that this is the verse that is most often omitted in hymnals. Okay. Um, you can see it doesn't, it doesn't move the story along all that much. Right. We are hiding our face while his dear cross appears. Right. Well, I mean, when we hide our own face, so the, the cross is the only thing that's there. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that just reminds me of in John 3.30, he must become greater right. and I must become less. Mm-hmm. So it's not about me at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe the other verse seemed a little bit more about humanity. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be not about us. Not about us. But about him. But yet in response to all that he's done, we're crying and melting right. our eyes. So And dissolving our heart. Yeah. I, there is such a poetic nature about his words. Yeah. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness. I mean, what made him write melt mine eyes? I mean, that's not great. No. No. I don't know. What do you think when you think melt? I just think that they're just like weeping. Like the tears are just coming down. Okay. What do you think of? I kind of think of like melting, like actual physical melting, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) When they see the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, at the end of the movie. I hope I'm not giving anything away. But their skin (laughs) literally melts off their Bones. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, not Indiana Jones. Thank goodness. No. Are you kidding? Just the bad He guys. went on to make like five more movies. <laughs> right, right. His skin so isn't going to melt clearly off. Clearly he's fine. Okay. So, All right, so I, now, I think, yeah, melting mine eyes is a little tricky. Well, you know, they, they we don't sing this one. Right. Yeah. Okay, right. so now we have verse five. Okay. Which is usually how our verses, our hymnals end. Right, sure. Okay. But drops of tears can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. I totally don't love when they don't. Rhyme I know, oh and do. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. It's too bad. But this just brings me right to Galatians 2.20. Mm-hmm. I have been crucified with Christ right. and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God mm-hmm. who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. Now, all those words that we've been talking about, yeah. is this the first time we really have justification? Yeah, I because think it's about that, what, what comes next. Right, we are like living with him, by him. He is in us. We're living for him. Yeah. I mean, we're giving ourselves to him. Right. And I wonder if it is like a direct response to the one before, because the one before said, right. my, I'm melting mine eyes to tears. Right. I'm but, hiding my face. Right. But then it says, but those drops of tears can never repay. Right. So then this is the propitiation. Of course. The payment. The satisfaction, God's satisfaction. It is a humongous debt of love that we owe. Mm-hmm. And those tears aren't going to do anything. No, but we give our life. We mm-hmm. offer up our entire lives. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, we just learned some pretty big words, and Isaac Watts taught them to us. Yeah, all right. Say those words again, because I forget them already. All right, ready? Justification. Justification. Propitiation. Propitiation. Christology. Christology. Anthropology. Anthropology. Harmitiology. Harmitiology. Soteriology. Soteriology. Can't say that word. Okay. Soteriology. So these are like- Salvation. Salvation. These are these Christian principles- studies of them yes. like the study of them huge huge not just like a two-word definition no 
Um, but these huge Christian principles that are found in this hymn. Right. And it's rare to find them all right. in one piece. Right. And actually, it was like in one verse. Verse one was in really one impressive. It's yeah. true. Yeah. It's true. So when we are able to really have the truth of who God, who Jesus is and what he's done for us in one hymn. I mean, you'd think all hymns, good hymns would do that. Yeah. But they don't. They focus on certain parts of the right, story. Right. right. And that's that's not a bad right. thing. I mean, it's nice to have, you know, think of like a, a hymn like In Christ Alone or like the praise song Glorious Day. Yeah. It does the whole story. Right. And But not all hymns do that. No. Not all hymns do that. And no. they shouldn't. They should all be kind of different. But when Isaac Watts was trying to prove to people right. that you could sing regular words, they didn't have to be scripture, and it could still tell the whole story, he, he showed right there that he could do it, that it was successful. Now, we just read his fifth verse. Yes. And I think I want to just spend another minute on that. Right. Because those words are powerful. Lord, I give myself away. Mm-hmm. It's all that I can do. I'm giving my entire life. Well, here's, I think, a fun fact. We know that Fanny Crosby, another hymn legend, was actually at a tent meeting and heard this song. She says that it was those words, Lord, I give myself away. It was those words that struck her, mm-hmm. that made her turn to the Lord and turn her life around. Right. Now, this, this, there's a story here. Okay. We've talked about Fanny a couple yeah. of times, but we haven't really talked about her conversion story. It was in 1849, mm-hmm. so this is well after Isaac Watts, well after this hymn was written, mm-hmm. and there was a cholera outbreak right. in New York, and many of Fanny's friends died. And she was, she was very, very upset. The school closed. Wow. It, I mean, it reminded me so much of what we went through. Right. The school closed. They sent everyone home. They wanted people to stay home, to stay safe, mm-hmm. to not spread cholera around. And she was as- afraid and she was sad that she had lost so many people. And she said that she had a dream one night of a friend who, was a, who appeared to be close to death. And this friend asked her about her eternal salvation. And she woke up feeling just so unsettled. And she began attending a lot of church services because she was religious. She knew the Bible, but she did not know Christ. So in 1850, she, like I said, was attending lots of different revival meetings and church services. And she was walking forward to attend the altar call. She kept walking forward to try to find peace for her soul. But it wasn't until this day that the audience began to sing, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And it was when she wrote that when it was when they sang the words, Here, Lord, I give myself away. It is all that I can do. She realized that she needed to yield herself. And this is an exact quote that she wrote about this experience. Attention, please. I surrendered myself to the Savior and my very soul flooded with celestial light. I sprang to my feet, shouting, hallelujah. That's so awesome. Yeah, so she heard these words right. by Isaac Watts. Right. They literally transformed her. Right, and then she went on to write thousands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thousands of mm-hmm. hymns. Yes. So many hymns have so many different tunes over the years. We believe we know the tune that it would have been. Right. We believe we know the tune that Fanny Crosby would have heard in 1849. Now, it's not the tune that we've been singing. It's Mm-mm. not the tune that Cal, the guitarist, shared with me. It's not the tune that we would even call at the cross because there's no refrain. Um, But do you want to just sing it? Mm-hmm. Let's sing this fifth verse the way Fanny Crosby would have heard it. So... Isaac Watts wrote the words in 1707, not sure what music was used. 1800, this one came through. So when Fanny Crosby heard it in 1850, this was probably the one she heard. Probably. We're kind of guessing, but it's a good guess. So here is the verse 5 that is the verse that she said opened her eyes. And the tune is called either Avon or Martyrdom. But drops of grief... Can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. 
is all that I can do. I mean, that is really pretty. And it has a totally different feel. I mean, I was sort of putting down this tune because I, know, I really was. liked the Hudson she one. Was. But the thing is, is that this is also in our hymnal. So when we go and we want right. to sing, Alas and Did My Savior Bleed, we really do have two options. We do. And I, I, I'm imagining most hymnals do. I know. Do. Go check your hymnal go at church check and let, let us know. know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I really want to get to Hudson. Right. Okay. So for those of you who don't know... I do have a son named Hudson. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why you're liking I like it the so tune much. so much. I mean, it's just, his name is Ralph Erskine Hudson. Erskine? Erskine? <laughs> like I-R-S-K-I-N-E? Kelly, do you even look at the, the guy's name? E-R-S-K-I-N-E. Don't er yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was busy doing soteriology. You were doing Erskine. <laughs> I don't even know that word. Still, after an hour of talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ralph Erskine Hudson, you want to hear about him? Yes. Ralph Hudson was born on July 9th, 1843 in Napoleon, Ohio. 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 Now, he eventually moved to Pennsylvania, and when the Civil War broke out, Kelly, he joined immediately the Federal Union Army, enlisting as a private in Pennsylvania, and he was assigned to the 10th Pennsylvania Reserves, which actually ended up becoming the 39th Pennsylvania Volunteers. Wow. Yep. He served as a nurse in the Army Hospital, and he was stationed in Annapolis, Maryland, and he eventually met Mary Smith, also from Annapolis, wow. and the two of them were married. Now, when he left the Army, he was a music teacher. Oh. He became a professor at Mount Vernon College. Now, this guy did everything, so we know he's a music teacher. He's a nurse. He writes music. He's a mm -hmm. composer. He is a preacher in the Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh -huh. He's a real estate agent and a loan agent. <laughs> he, and he opened his own publishing house. Yeah, I mean, the guy did everything. So he ended up having six children with his wife, Mary. The children are? Ulysses. Cora. Maud. Minnie. Gertrude. And Mary. Yes. So this I thought was really interesting, maybe a fun fact. Okay. I don't know. But he was very much a, in favor of, the, of prohibition. And he wrote and published several songs about the subject. And he actually published a book called The Temperance Songster in 1886. Wow. Now I found one of the temperance songs. Do you want to try it? Now, do you think these songs were sung in churches? I think they were probably sung at, like, rallies, I think. Right. Did they have rallies? I mean, I'm imagining. I don't know. Well, they were out rallying. People were, like, in basements drinking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I found this song, and he wrote the words and the music, Kelly. Okay. And it's called Twas Rum, but it was also called by its first line, which is, I heard a weeping mother say. Yes. I mean, it's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> but I don't think you'd want to drink rum after hearing this song. Right. Okay. Dum dum. I heard a weeping mother say, while coming from the grave, of one to her as dear as life, she tried but could not save. Twas rum that spoiled my darling boy. They caught him in the snare. Twas rum that spoiled my darling boy. I pray you boys beware. That's quite the song. I mean, first of all, she's at the grave. And she blames it on the rum. Of course. Once he was pure and innocent, the pride and joy of home. But see the demon in the glass, at last the deed is done. Wow. She totally is blaming the rum. She calls it the demon. Right. And then she gives a message to the people. Oh, pity broken-hearted ones, and teach the boys to shun the road that leads to cruel 
little death by rum, foul demon rum. I mean, is this a hymn talk twin talk first? I mean, the fact that we have a hymn writer who writes about rum. <laughs> well, in, in his defense, he's writing against it. <laughs> well, of course he is. But he actually published a book called The Temperance Songster. Right. Yeah. It's a great little tidbit of information. And it just reminds us that these hymn writers had other lives. They had other mm -hmm. things that they were passionate about. But I am so glad that he's famous for at the cross. Yes. And not for that. So, I mean, in terms of hymns, we're really looking at, you know, about 100, 150. He wrote the words and the music, but sometimes he just wrote the music. This tune, he names Hudson. Yeah, he names it Hudson. Well, the interesting thing about this one, Cal, is that I found that the tune really was already in existence. Okay. This was a tune um, that was really just a folk tune in America, and okay. it was a, it was a song, and it was called "Take Me Home." And if you look at the music, it does remind you of the tune that he wrote for At the Cross. Mm -hmm. And it was, like I said, it was called Take Me Home. Then the Salvation Army took the tune. So now we have this secular song called Take Me Home. But it's not about heaven. It's nope. not religious at all. No, it's this southern kind of ballad song. Okay. It's just a song. Mm -hmm. Take Me Home to the Sweet Sunny South. Take Me Home, Country Road. Sort of like that. <laughs> <laughs> but And then it became an instrumental piece. And eventually the Salvation Army took the tune, which again is very similar to, to Hudson's tune of At the Cross. Mm -hmm. And the Salvation Army, there was a man by the name of Captain Haddon who took it and he took the tune and changed the words to make it a song about Jesus. And this Captain Haddon writes the words, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I rejoice night and day. Oh. So Hudson, I mean, we're giving him credit for this. I know. But he really took the song that was written by the Salvation Army, and that's 1883. Wow. So they kind of did it first. So I actually feel like, how come we're giving, you know, Hudson full credit for the music? I can tell you why. Why? Because Hudson owned his own publishing company. Kelly, that so sounds very scandalous. <laughs> He published it. He published it. He published it. So a song that was originally a secular tune, a secular song that people enjoyed, the Salvation Army took it, and they adapted it, and then Hudson, two years later, kind of just took it. But it, we definitely have seen it evolve, and really, Hudson should not be getting sole credit for this. Yes, but when he's writing the book, he can do whatever he wants. So we haven't sung that refrain. Right. And I honestly think that that was the appeal to us as kids. Mm -hmm. The refrain was really fun. You can't say that a song about groaning and grief and crying is fun, but this refrain is really kind of catchy. I know, kind of fun. Can we sing it for a yes, minute? Yes, let's do it. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. I remember singing this as a kid and having fun, but that, I'm sorry, it does not match Isaac Watts's words. Right. And I'm getting an opinion of Hudson. I'm sorry. I feel like he was the boss. He told everyone. <laughs> Everyone what to do is his wife, Mary, and his six kids. He said they couldn't drink. And he said, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, this is the way this song is going to go. And he took credit for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you wonder if Hudson even ever saw it written. Like maybe he right. heard it. Right. And then, like, he decided yeah. to try to notate it and figure it out. And so it just, it kind of became his. Like I said, it's not exact. Like very slight right. melodic differences. No, I wish we had a timeline, you know, to put out. Yeah. Because... Isaac Watts writes it in 1707. Yeah. We have no idea the tune for almost 100 years. Right. Then in 1800, we get that first tune that we right. did by Wilson. And then it's not for another 85 years before we get Hudson's version, which we know went from the Salvation Army, mm -hmm. a folk song, a mm -hmm. ballad, to the Salvation Army, to now the hymnal, the hymn that we know it in the hymnal. Mm -hmm. um, that was in 1885. 1898. In 1898, 
Fanny Crosby is at the height of her writing. Yeah. She is writing her hymns, and she writes a hymn called, Oh, Save Me at the Cross. 13 years after Hudson's hymn was released, she writes this. I'd like to think that she is really thinking back to that day. Mm-hmm. Kel, in the tent meeting, she hears Isaac Watts' words for the first time, and she decides to change her life. Right. She's thinking about that day, and I'd like to think she's thinking about Hudson's tune, mm-hmm. Hudson, what Hudson did with those words. With, I, at the cross. Right, with the song, Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed, mm-hmm. at the cross. And I'd like to think that Fanny Crosby is thinking of soteriology. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That's salvation. Oh, Jesus, save me. That word does not make sense. All right, let's show everybody Fanny Crosby's song. Hubert Maine wrote the music. Save Save me me at the cross. Loving Savior, hear my cry. Hear my cry. Hear my cry. Trembling to thy arms I fly. Oh, save me at the cross. Dear Jesus, receive me. No more would I grieve thee. Now, blessed Redeemer, oh, save me at the cross. Wow, she's saying, dear Jesus, receive me, like she went down the aisle in the meeting. Yes. It's almost like her testimony song. Yeah, this is great. It's really cute, Kel. And it's it's very simple. It's I mean, Hubert B. Maine, I'd like to see what else he wrote because that right. almost sounds like a child song. Right. I loved the path that this hymn was on. I love it. Isaac Watts wanted to create a song that was singable. He wanted to use his own words. He wanted to use his right. own creativity. Right. And every person who had a part in this hymn, did the same thing. Did the same thing. They used their own words. They used mm-hmm. their own music. They were creative. Well, this is basically what your friend Cal did. Right. He took this song that existed, Isaac Watts's words, Hudson's music, and he makes it his own. Yeah. Shall we listen to it? Yes. All right. So he sent me this recording. I mean, these guys weren't together. They they sent the recordings and he oh. mixed them all together. He's really the magic really, of the internet. Really talented. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's very different and super cool. Okay. All right. So this is Cal and Sean. So yeah, I, just these two gentlemen, friends for decades, Kelly, friends for decades, yeah. united in the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and bonding over their love of music and their original kind of interpretation of the hymns i think it's great i'm so happy to be sharing their music so here it is at the cross by cal and sean alas and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die would he that sacred head for such a worm as I was it for crimes that I have done he groaned upon that tree Shut its glory. 
So that is definitely modern. Okay, that might be a him talk to a talk first. <laughs> I mean, these are God's people using their talents, their interests, their tastes, and they're reaching people through the hymns. These words are over 300 years old. And they're, they found a way to make them work. Right. All right, so Kel, we have this amazing hymn. What is your hymn take? I have a hymn take. Okay. My hymn take is from verse three. Okay. And it's the story of when Jesus died and the sun was hidden and it was dark. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when God, the mighty maker died for his own creatures sin. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that phrase that the creator died for the created. God was perfect. And he makes a selfless sacrifice for an imperfect, selfish creature. Mm. How? How is that even possible? It doesn't even make sense. It defies logic. Right. That a perfect, sinless, powerful creator would sacrifice himself for an imperfect, selfish creature. And maybe that's why people have a hard time coming to to the truth, coming to fully understand, because it doesn't make sense. Right. It is hard to believe. I mean, we as believers, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. He died because he loved us. Like, it's so simple. It's almost too simple. Right. But for non-believers, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. can that be? I love that. I I love love that that whole line. I love that phrase. All right. Well, if I had to, I mean, I really, really love the whole thing, Cal. I know. It really is hard to choose just one line. But if I had to choose just one line, I actually love that he refers to Jesus's sacred head. Mm. So he says in verse one, would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? And I mean, I don't know, the term sacred head, I go right back to, oh, sacred head now wounded. Mm -hmm. We did this. This is an awesome episode, actually, if anybody's looking. It's episode 54. But this was an old, old tune. I mean, more probably more like a chant. And it was written by, in Latin, originally, by this Arnouf, right? And I would like to think that Isaac Watts knew about this piece. He knew about it. It was right. written in the 1200s. He knows Latin. He knows Latin. He's, I mean, he would have studied all of the classic texts. He absolutely would have. I think it's cool that he used sacred head. Mm-hmm. I think it's purposeful. I think it's a nod to the old, old right. song. And that sacred head 
was wounded it and bled and died for us. And maybe he was saying, look, we don't have to stick to the what the words that are in the Psalms. Look, look right. at this old, old hymn and, and the truth that it portrays. Right. And I, I can do that too. Right. Yeah. So that was episode 54, if yeah. you haven't listened to it Oh, yet. I love that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. sacred head now wounded. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, anyway, thank you again to Cal mm-hmm. and Sean. Um, and we would love to do your hymns, yeah. so give us your requests. Carrie has the plan all set out, but <laughs> we can get to it. Yeah, we're well, we're moving things around yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back in two weeks mm-hmm. for the next episode of Him Talk, Twin Talk. Bye. Bye.